Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Glad to be here with you guys. Um, you know, Steve did not mention, and I get to point out, that um, he was not in the winning boat last year in our first annual bass fishing uh, tournament. <clears throat> that, was the, that would be my boat. And uh, Steve and I both love to fish. We're very competitive, so I have no problem in pointing that out. And, uh, and, and, and he was having to repeat things. So can everybody say scared? Scared. So we put this on the calendar back in January that it would be March 17th. And then uh, this last week when we were talking about it, he's like, oh, you know, I've got some friends coming in town. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to the fishing tournament. And, um, and so I think he's a little scared. But he's going to make it because uh, it wouldn't work without him. So uh, we're glad that. So we'd love for you guys to come and be a part of that with us. But um, that has nothing to do with today's sermon. But it has everything to do with our relationships. So I had no problem talking about it. So um, glad you're here. We're in the middle of, um, of this rooted campaign. And what we're going to talk about this morning is really a, a, a touchy subject. Um, just when I mention money and the fact that I'm in a church, you probably, you know, most of us, if you're like me, probably have a little bit of a negative experience with money in churches, right? And uh, on behalf of pastors out there, I want to apologize for that because really what we're about here at Vintage and, and what every church should be about is, is representing accurately the truth that God has in store for us. And he talks a lot about money. Jesus does. And why is that? We're going to look at a little bit of that this morning. Um, but to, to start with, I want to tell you a story. The last time I talked about money, it was years ago. Uh, I didn't realize that until I was sitting in the first service. And um, I was kind of scratching my head on, on beginning this, this sermon. And, and, and so here we go. It, years ago, my, Rebecca and Andrew, our oldest son, and I were in South Africa as missionaries. We were, we were invested into a church there that was on a college campus. So there's a lot of college students and a lot of you know, people from the community, a part of this church. And um, after being there several months, the, the, the pastor uh, invited me to give a little sermonette kind of about money. And um, it was a regular kind of thing they did. It's a little different than us. And uh, we hardly ever talk about money. And so I was praying about that and just, you know, reading through Scripture. And I was just challenged. You know, I was in my 20s. And, um, and, and so basically as I got up, I was like, okay, everybody pull out their wallet. We're going to do this. No, we're not really going to do this. But I had everybody pull out their wallet and take all the money out of their wallet. And we passed the offering basket. And I told everybody, I'm challenging you to put everything that you had in your wallet. In the offering basket. And, you know, they looked at me about like what, how you're looking at me now. Like, mm, what? You know, and it was like this death stare, like I'm really uncomfortable right now. And so everybody, you know, supposedly everybody put their money in the, in the basket. And I said, now what we're going to do, and this is what we see in the book of Acts, is, you know, those who had need, cared for, and supported, and uh, th- those who had, had, had plenty cared for and supported those who had need. People sold their, their land and, and laid it at the apostles' feet to care for the needs of those around them. And so now we're going to pass the offering plate again. And if you have something that you are in need of that you've been praying for God to provide, maybe it's a biology, a $300 biology book. Maybe it's your rent. Maybe it's something that you don't know where this is going to come from, but it's a need that you have. And you've been asking the Lord to provide them, then he's providing it for you. You need to die to your pride and reach into that basket and take out what you need because we're going to be a church like the New Testament church that provides for and cares for. And, and it's amazing at what happens 
when we find ourselves, when we align ourselves with the truths of Scripture. You know, um, we talked about back in the fall, this, this kind of term of dueling realities. You know, when we were beginning our Ephesian study um, back in the fall. And dueling reality is kind of this reality that when God says something is good, but we don't look at it and necessarily think it's good, well, then it creates a dueling reality. Like, for instance, hardship, right? When you look at a hardship, you're like, oh, wow, this, uh, I don't want that to be the case. I want to avoid hardship at all costs. But biblically, you know, we see in James 1 that God has, there, God has a plan in hardships, that there's a, a value and a work that he is doing in hardships, literally to move us to this place that we're becoming mature in our faith and that we're not lacking anything, James says, right? And so if God says something's good, what is it? If God says something's bad, what is it? So if God says something's good, but our perspective on that is an alternate reality that maybe it's not something welcomed or maybe it's something we see to be bad, then what is it really? It's really good because God said it's good. And we have to be able to recognize also in what Jesus is teaching in the New Testament about money, it's very different than what you and I have probably grown up with in understanding money. And so as I, as I talked to the, this group in South Africa, you know, it was this challenging message. Like, this was the pre-message message. You know, that's how they did it in the church. So this was a pre-message message, but I think it was a distraction from the message. But I had this gentleman come up to me after, after the service. And he was, I had watched him on TV the day before. He was the best, he was the, they call it the man of the match. He was the man of the match in the, in the professional rugby game the day before that was played in, in Cape Town. And he came up to me, and so I was kind of honored to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm standing here with a South African celebrity, Right. And, um, and he came up to me and he said, man, you know, in his South African accent, he said, man, you just, you drilled me. He said, I went to the ATM right before I came to church and I took out my entire allowance for the week to pay my rent, my groceries, my bills in cash. And I had all that in my pocket and I had no way to pay for the rest of this week. And then he had a little tear come to his eye and he said, thank you. Because God exposed this idol of money that I have. And I, I, I was not ready to trust God to pay my rent. And I don't know how it's going to get paid. He came back a couple weeks later and said, my rent got paid. Everything went great. He was amazed, but he was blown away that this challenge exposed this idol in his heart. And he was, at the end of the service, he was this point of being grateful to a point of being tearful and excited and full of joy how he was going to trust God this week. And so as we talk about money in the church, friends, we're not talking about asking you to give money to the church because the church needs money. When Jesus addressed money and he did so regularly, there's always a place of ownership and it was always about hearts. You see, money, unlike anything else, and Jesus is wise in this, he, could, he knew that money, unlike anything else, addresses our heart. And so throughout his teachings and throughout his parables, He's using money as an illustration. And so the first key that we're going to look at this morning in, in following the, Jesus' plan of, of recognizing this true reality, rather than the dueling reality that we wrestle with so much, is that the master owns it all. So key number one is the master owns it all and, we, and the manager is simply a steward. We see a couple different times, there are numerous times in, in Jesus' teachings on money, but a couple different times in Luke chapter 16 where it's the shrewd, the shrewd manager. The, the story kind of goes that there was, a, 
there was a, a, an, a, 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 a wealthy man who had put a man in charge of his finances. And he'd heard that this man in charge of his finances, his manager, was, wasn't, being a, wasn't being a good steward. So he came to the manager to, to call him into check. The manager heard that the owner was coming, and so he ran out and tried to gather up a bunch of money and bring it before the owner, the shrewd manager. And the, this, the reality of what we're looking at in Luke chapter 16 and again in, in Matthew chapter 25 with the story of the talents is that there are two different stories of an owner and a manager. And each time the owner is coming and calling to account, how, did you, how were you as a steward and how were you of a man, of, of, as a manager of the responsibility that I'd given you? So as we look at Scripture, we have to recognize what is the truth that Scripture teaches us about money. So we're going to look at a few verses here. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is, at, as it is today. 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 14. This is when David has brought all the elders, all the elders of the church and all the elders in, in Israel had, had gathered their, their wealth and brought it to be a dedication and for the building of the temple. And this is David, David's response. David praised the Lord in his presence for the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, O Lord God, our father of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours also is the kingdom. You are the exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give, to, and to give strength to all. Now, O oh God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are, who, who are my people that we should be able to give as generally as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. The first key is, is understanding that God is the owner and we're simply the stewards. If we're going to be the stewards and to be good stewards of God's resources, then we have to recognize that money that's in our pocket is really whose. Anybody recognize the dueling reality with that? You see, Scripture's teaching very clearly that everything that we have and everything in the earth is the Lord's. And he's the owner of it all. But there is this role and this responsibility. This is why Jesus is telling these stories. That he gives his people. That he entrusts to his people. And so there is this opportunity that we have to be stewards. That we are being tested. And there's an opportunity to learn to trust the Lord. And to... Give freely just as he has given, right? To become like him, to be generous. And so if he is the owner of everything and he loves the world so much that he gave his only son, that all of us who believe in him won't perish but have eternal life, then if we're the stewards of a commodity and a resource and we are participants in his kingdom, what things do you think he's interested in us investing into? His kingdom. And where, we're, where we find ourselves as Christian, falling back or holding back from seeing the opportunity to invest into what he plans to do 
in the advancement of his kingdom on the earth, then somewhere we're probably missing being the steward that we could be. Here's one of the realities of understanding and wrestling with this with this dueling reality where he owns everything and we're simply the stewards is it's really hard to give away what you own. It's really hard for us to give away what we own. So if we see ourselves to be the owners and the possessors of finances or whatever commodity you want to say, then it's going to be hard to give that away. But where we're simply a steward, then suddenly there's this freedom that we find in being able to be generous and to to sow investments into his kingdom. That leads us to the second point. Key number two is your heart follows your investments. Your heart follows your investments. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. He doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be also. You can't just follow your heart and then find your treasure. You your heart will actually follow your investment. You know, sports are a really big thing, especially youth sports are a big thing. You know, if you if you invest a lot of time and effort and resources into your sons or your child's, you know, little league or softball or, or gymnastics or dance or whatever, whatever you're investing into, you're going to have an interest into that, right? If you buy stocks, how many people in here have a stock, have an have, have paid money and have stock, right? If you put money and a significant, generous investment into a stock, what do you do? You check to see how that stock's going. You have a vested interest in how that stock is taking place. Just like you have a vested interest in your children. You have a vested interest in the place that you make your investment. So Jesus is inviting us. To lead our heart. So you may say, you know, I wish I had a greater heart for for foster care. Or I wish I had a greater heart for the church. Or I wish I had a greater heart for, for missions. Well then, invest generously into that area. Invest generously into missions. Invest generously into a certain people group. Invest generously into a certain village. Invest generously into a certain family. And watch how your heart will follow. But where you sit back on the sidelines and you're not willing to take an action and trust that your heart will follow, your heart won't find that same place. How many people that you know and how many people that I know are, are searching and shopping and trying to find a really good church that they want to commit to and they want to, but they're not willing to stop and make an investment into that place and, and sow into a long-term relationship by getting involved and by contributing, by, by being a part of a solution to problems that they see in those churches, that they're, just, they're, they're able to just quickly move and go to another church, right? The, the question is, in make the investment that God is calling you to make, whether that's here at Vintage or that's at another church. I can tell you from staff, we want you to be where God's calling you to be and a church that fits where you're supposed to be. But if that's advantage, then by all means, we are unashamedly saying, then make an investment because we want your heart. Because that's what Jesus is saying. Make an investment because I want to lead your heart. If you find yourself like me at times or like our family at times, it might be really healthy. You know, if you're if you're strapped for cash, it might be really healthy. In April, uh, we're going to do Financial Peace University as a as a class and as a group. And um, we've got folks that are going to lead us through that, the Stevens. And so you can meet with them. They're going to walk through the material with you, and, you know, and kind of work with your calendar that 
that this can work for you and they can help you and walk through this material to help you be a better budgeter and better steward of your finances so that you can make the investments that you feel led and feel called to make and be a part of what God has in store for you. That's just a commercial. You'll hear more about it in the coming weeks. But, you know, if that if that fits you, we'd love for you to be a part of that financial financial university piece. Third key. The two previous verses from what I just read, Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20. Jesus is speaking. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Right? Jesus is saying, Do not store up for yourselves treasures where? On earth. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, right? Pretty black and white. Um, I, I love this analogy. Like, imagine that we were living in the day of the Civil War here in the States. And we were living in the South. And all of our cash, all of our money was in Confederate currency. But somehow you knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the North is going to win. And this Confederate currency is going to be worthless in a matter of months. What would you do with your currency? You would probably go as buy as much American, you know, U.S. currency as possible, knowing that this Confederate currency isn't going to make it and only holding on to the Confederate currency that you needed to be able to buy bread and the basic necessities to make it through the day because the U.S. currency was going to be the thing that lasted. It's no different for us here. This is what Jesus is saying. So he's saying, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because Why? Well, to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven is stupid. Because you can't take that with you. To store up for yourselves treasures in heaven is the reality is you can't take this with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can make an investment into the kingdom and make an investment into eternity and have your resources be about what Jesus says is a kingdom investment. And have that be going forward. So Jesus is giving a command to store up treasure. And we think, well, that, that storing up treasure, well, that's awful selfish. Well, no, Jesus is saying, store up for yourselves treasure. But let it be treasure that is valuable for eternity. I love what John Wesley said. He said, you know, Steve talked a little bit about his story uh, last week. But he said, you know, I've learned to value everything based on the based on the, the product that it is for eternity. Based on the value that it has for eternity. Oh, to be able to drink from that cup and to receive some of that wisdom, to be able to see the, the scriptures come alive in our hearts and to be able to step into the reality of what God has for us. You see, it's not about holding back and saying we shouldn't have treasure. It's about the reality of what we treasure being redefined and relocated. And right now, y'all kind of looking at me like that group in South Africa, like, oh, I don't know if I want to pull out my wallet. But here's the reality. For Jesus, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. And so unashamedly, as a church that's trying to embrace all that he teaches, this isn't about the money. This isn't about something we want from you. This is about what we want for you. This is about being able to have that conflict in your heart addressed. Because ultimately, for every one of us, somewhere... Money and possessions is an idol. 
and this, this prescription and, and plan that Jesus has for us to, to sow into kingdom investments is like a freedom and a joy. This is what, this is what um, uh, Randy Alcorn has to say. He says, once you invest into the kingdom, it, refu- it, it infuses you with joy. Giving has a transforming presence in our lives because it moves our heart and it shifts our center of gravity to God and his kingdom. The rich young ruler, you've all heard the story, it's found in Mark 10. The guy who had come and could check all the boxes, but Jesus said, okay, well, if you want riches in heaven, then go sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And the rich man turned, turned, turned away. Because he had so much wealth that he owned, that actually owned him and he couldn't give it away. And Jesus is telling that story to try to expose the idol in each of our hearts and invite us into this relationship with him. As we're diving into um, to this series in our small groups, we're going through a study of Genius to Generosity. The Genius of Generosity by Chip Ingram, a little orange book you've seen me outside selling for, for folks that are in the groups. And Chip tells a story when he was a young pastor. Chip's probably in his you know, late 60s, early 70s now, I'm guessing. If he's listening, he'll probably be mad. Uh, he's probably younger than that. But um, Chip's an older guy now, and he's telling a story from when he was in his 20s. He was at a small church in Texas, just outside of Dallas. And there was a wealthy man in his church of about 35 people who owned a large accounting firm. And he invited Chip to come have lunch with him, to come to his office in Dallas. And so Chip took him up on the offer. The guy told him, we're going to, we're going to a nice restaurant that actually require you to wear ties, to bring a tie. And uh, he goes in this giant glass skyscraper in Dallas, goes into the accounting firm. They, they go upstairs to the elevator to a restaurant that overlooks all of Dallas. The gentleman's name was John Seville. And John sat down with Chip and said, uh, you know, Chip, I have a desire to care for the poor and the hurting. And you are in contact with the poor and the hurting. Every day. So I want you to be my eyes and my hands and let God lead you to bless and care for other people. And he pulled out a checkbook and he handed it a chip. He said, there's $5,000 in this account and I want you to be my hands and my feet and I want you to care for people that are in need. And then in a couple months, we're going to come back together. And we're going to meet in the same restaurant and I want you to buy the best thing on the menu. I want you to buy the steak and the lobster. And I want you to tell me about how God used you with, these, with this account to care for the needs of people that I care about. But I don't see them here like you see them. And so would you be a steward of this account and go and minister? And so they got back together. And this went on for years. And, and Mr. Seville, you know, Chip talks about is a really peculiar guy. He has none of the same interests. You know, that Chip does. But he said, over the, the next couple of years, God grew us. He became one of my best friends because we loved to go and we would get together three or four times a year and have these celebrations in that restaurant. And the guy would just scream out, praise the Lord, as Chip would tell one of his stories. He said it was really awkward and uncomfortable. But this guy loved to, to get excited about how Chip was using this money to care for people. And here's one of the powerful things that comes from Chip's testimony and, and, and experience in the, this. He said, every day, every day I woke up with an excitement. I would put my wallet in my pocket and I would grab that checkbook and I would think of John. 
And throughout the day, as I was constantly found myself looking for people that were in need and praying for God to give me discernment to respond and be the generous giver that John wanted to be to these people. And so every day I woke up with an excitement. I was thinking about John, an excitement of how God wanted to use me and an excitement to get to be a blessing to other people. What kind of life are you looking for by being the owner of your money? What kind of life am I looking for by holding on and, and waking up and, and seeing money as a possession that's, that's mine to spend on what's best for me? You see, God's desire in leading us and, and declaring throughout Scripture that He's the owner of everything and ultimately we're just stewards. We're just vessels that He wants to use. We're just agents in His kingdom is because He wants to invade our heart. He wants to have that close relationship with us that every morning when we wake up and we see, the, we see our wallet, we, that, what that wallet represents and we go to put it in our pocket, we're excited about the opportunity that God may have in store for us and that we, we find ourselves thinking about God. We find ourselves looking at other people and wondering what their need might be, watching to see where God might lead us to discern a need that we have the ability to help address. And friends, that's the vision that we have for Vintage 242 as a church. You see, we're not, we're not asking for your money. We're asking for your heart. We're just trying to join Jesus in, in what he makes it about. Do we need money to build a building? Well, yeah, but one day that building's going to get built. I mean, just look at Psalm 50. Psalm 50 says, I don't need your sacrifices. I don't eat the meat from your, the bulls that you sacrificed. But he leads us to come and lay down and be a sacrifice because he loves our heart and he cares about us. And so he points out those, those dueling realities because he's calling us to something more. He's calling us to a relationship where we wake up, we grab that wallet, and we're thinking about him. Where we walk through the streets and we walk down the sidewalk and we're looking to discern, what is it that you want to do? I simply want to do what I see you doing and say what I hear you saying in the people that I pass on the street and in the relationships that I have. I found myself in a, in a humble place in, in my wrapping up in this. I found myself in a humble place about five years ago. Been here six years as of this week at Vintage. And, um, and I, I did not plan well. Um, and budget well. I, I didn't understand how uh, things went with my, with my house payments or whatever and taxes and everything else. And I got surprised by the property tax in November that came through. And who, how many agree? We, man, we pay a lot of money in property tax, right, if you own a home, right? And I found myself like, okay, this property tax is due. And, you know, there's not enough in the checkbook to pay that property tax. And I've never... Praise Jesus, I've never not been able to pay a bill. And that's simply due to God's faithfulness, right? Um, but I found myself with this property tax due and, and not without the ability to pay the bill. And I, I, I scratched my head and I, I began to pray and I was like, well, Lord, you know, I can go to my parents and ask for some help. You know, they've graciously offered and helped us in, in the past before, but in, in this, I felt a conviction that that wasn't what I was to do. And so I just turned to the Lord, our Father, and just said, God, you know, if that's what you want, then, then, then I'll humbly make that phone call. But I just come to you and just ask for you to have your way and do what you want to do. 
And I kid you not, I think it was three days later, I got an envelope in the mail, I opened up, and it was $1,500. That this person, I called the person, I said, what is this? And they're like, well, I was praying one day and I felt like the Lord told me to write you a check for $1,500. Do you want to know how much more I needed to pay my property taxes? $1,500. And I was, I was weeping on the phone as I told this friend who doesn't even live here that I just want you to know I was tempted to try to call the parents or try to figure something out and try to find these money, but I just felt like the Lord just was leading me to pray and he was going to provide this. And, and I was weeping on the phone with this friend, telling them how excited I was. Yes, grateful that they, but grateful they were listening. But it was about Jesus. It wasn't about them. And they received that. They recognized that. They were excited with me that they were able to be a part of God's kingdom and meet a need of somebody that they cared about and loved. Wouldn't you like to be on either end of that? Because on either end of that is Jesus saying, I love you and I care about you. And I own a cattle on a thousand hills. Trust me. Step into the truth of my reality. That I'm the owner of everything. And will you be the steward of my resources? So in closing, I have three questions I want you to, to chew on and ponder during our time of ministry. First, who do you believe owns the money in your wallet? Second, what investments are you leading your heart toward? And the third, is your stewardship of money functioning as a key factor in your friendship with our Father? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are not a manipulating God who is looking to take advantage. But you are a gracious Father who loves to bless. And Lord, I pray that uh, that, that truth would be uh, revealed and, and put before us this morning. I pray that you would expose the things in our hearts that have been hesitant to trust you. Lord, I thank you for how faithful you are. So, Lord, we want to be your people. We want to be like your, your church in Acts where we just, we, we're just defined by generosity. Because you, you are the picture of generosity. So, Lord, once you come and move and help us take steps this week, growing closer to you, embracing your truths, that you're the owner of everything, Embracing the life that comes from being a generous person and embracing the reality that comes. Everything is held together by the power of your name. Jesus, bless us with a transformation of our heart. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to just encourage you in the next few minutes, there's teams of people on my left and right that if you have something that you would like them to pray for with you, that you come and, and talk to them. But specifically that, you know, this stage is, is kind of opened up for you as an altar where maybe there's something, maybe there's, there's something that was addressed this morning as truth that you need to kind of, that you need to wrestle with and, and ask the Lord to settle with you and that you can leave here 
I have offering baskets on my left and my right. I'm not asking for your money. I am asking for your heart to reflect who you are before Jesus and express who you want to be by being generous to the church. That's not asking for money. That's asking for your heart. Where you feel like that's manipulative, then don't give. But wrestle with that in your heart. Because on my right is communion. And as we take communion, we're to remember the generous gift that was given. That he gave his body. And his blood was poured out for our sins. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So join in the truth of that reality. That he loves and cares for your heart. And he's wooing your heart to a greater place. In this church and in the life he has for you on the other side of those doors. You're dismissed. When you're ready to go, the band is going to continue to pray and lead us through a time of prayer. So when you're ready to take off, you take off. But embrace the truth that God has for you and know that there's an abundance of life that Jesus came to bring.